Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome. Hello. Hi there. So we got a good show for you this week. We really have been working on rearranging topics because we still have no conventions, of course. We can't go out. There's, there's, nobody can go out. And uh, I am really looking forward to the day that we can safely get back to actually doing something like that. Yeah, and uh, hopefully it'll be this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's looking kind of scary. <laughs> it is looking, it's looking very scary. The uh, UFO convention that we were going to cover next month has been moved to September. So we'll hope that that actually comes off and uh, hope that we can get some things definitely lined up because I'm ready to kind of kind of get back I'm to the normal. I'm looking forward night. to that. Yeah, I, I want to see that. <laughs> that one's going to be a fun one, you know, and we're going to have to do a cosplay for it and everything else, especially now we've got a little more time. Well, you know, we could always wear level three hazmat suits and just go out. Yeah, that might not be a cosplay, unfortunately, this year. <laughs> Our news this week is sponsored by my friends over at weartechnology.com. Need an app? Need a website for your business? Now, it's a good time to get caught up on all of these different type of things because eventually the world will reopen, and why not reopen with a fresh website? WeAreTechnology.com. What's in the news today? Emojis suffer from COVID-19. Really? Yep. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the way that's written is kind of, uh, kind of weird. Specifically, what's going on here is the next set of emojis that the update that's supposed to come out for 2021 has been delayed. There okay. are, so every six months, they add more emojis or change the ones we have. And there's actually a coalition that defines what's current and what's not and adds and removes different things based on what's being used. And there is a set coming out this fall. That one's still on track. But it's interesting to see kind of the side effects of all of this. And this is one area here. Is this going to be a big deal? No, of course not. But it is something to think about. So 2021 will be delayed on new emojis. Google and Apple build COVID tracking app. Yeah. So, what do you think about that, uh, Gretchen? I, I know before like we, we yeah, I know I'm before. only tiny paranoid about that. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. The reason why I don't like it is it just really sounds a lot like your old traditional sci-fi stories where they're trying to warn you this is a bad idea because you know in the old days they had mobs and. You know, if they thought you did something that they didn't like, they went and raided your house and killed you. Yeah. And I, I could see this kind of craziness happening. It's that's not a, a good idea. It's that's bad. exactly what I see, too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, look, that, there's, there's coronavirus over there. Let's put a stop to it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think I, I don't think Apple or uh, Google are planning to go and raid your house. However, privacy <laughs> experts are also concerned about this. And what it is, is. They're working to build, using Bluetooth technology, the idea of if you've been exposed or someone around you has been exposed, the phone can pick up the other person's phone and then let you know you were nearby someone that's been exposed or has had COVID-19. Now, the problem with this is there's actually a couple of different things. It's number one, Bluetooth technology is not that exact for distancing. So if your phone is in your backpack or your pocket versus your phone in your hand, the ones around you could get an entirely different uh, distance. That's uh, issue number one. Issue number two is a smaller version of, I think, what you were just talking about, that there are some privacy issues here, uh, being that number one, Bluetooth is not greatly secure just anyway. We've talked about that in the past on, on the show. And the second part of it is, is since they're rolling this out on the Google side as a part of uh, the, the Google application, 
and Apple's doing a similar thing on their phones, it's not something you install either. At least that's what they're talking about. It just kind of turns on. So, <laughs> you know, the idea of uh, is it worth giving up a certain amount of personal privacy if this really did help keep you from getting sick? And this is something that uh, people that have a much higher pay grade than I do are researching right now. And we'll get you your, their opinions on it and kind of where this ends up going. But this is something that's a thing, and uh, it is something to think about. Okay, and just, uh, just imagine an unhappy emoji of appearing. Okay, <laughs> NASA offers Hubble photos on your birthday. Yeah, so this is a cool thing NASA's doing now is the, the Hubble telescope, uh, which has uh, been up for a while now. Uh, yep. take, takes pictures all the time. And you can go to NASA's website and see what the pictures that were that were taken on your birthday, or if it is your birthday, what the pictures are now. Kind of just a neat little thing to do while we're shut in. Check it out. Oh, you know what? There was something else that was going on that I, I missed. It's the planets that were all in a row outside, and you could see them at yeah. night. Oh, really? And I missed it. I, I think tonight might be the last chance. Yeah, I'll have but, to check uh, that out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Microsoft delays end of service for older versions of Windows 10. Yeah, so this came in as a user question and uh, looked it up to see what they're actually doing <laughs> because it's like we're still using Windows 10. How come they're ending support for it? And what it is, is Windows has taken an approach like Apple did that once they hit version 10, there's sub-upgrades within it, but it's still always version 10. So what would have at one time been a new version number isn't anymore? Apple does this by changing the name, so it's OS X whatever. And uh, mm -hmm. Windows is doing a similar thing. So the very first versions of Windows 10 are starting to hit their end of support. Not end of life, but end of support where they start to want you to upgrade to a newer version. And with COVID, they've given it a six-month delay so that people aren't forced to change their operating system right now if they don't want to. So that's what this is actually about. So just to think about it this way, you have Windows 10. Within Windows 10, you have different subversions that are coming out over the air. In fact, a big update just came out recently, So, um, which would, in the old way of numbering software, been a different full version or a service pack maybe, and now it's just rolled out this way. Microsoft flagging two spaces at end of sentence as an error? So uh, I don't like that. So Yeah, I was going to say, you are our uh, literary person, and this is something they're saying is an end of an error. Now, I will say that I went on before we recorded to try to make see if I could do this. And my word is not flagging two spaces as an error. Now, this may be something that's coming in a future update that I don't have yet. But the idea being here is that on typewriters, when you had a period, you put two spaces, it increases readability and that type of a thing. Exactly. On uh, modern things, like if you're sending a text or on Twitter or you know something like that, you wouldn't necessarily do this. But on an actual written document, it still was the tradition to put a, two spaces after a period. I mean, that's the way I was always taught to do it, and, and that's the way it is. And what they're saying here is that Microsoft is saying, well, we don't need to do that anymore. One space is yet, so we're going to flag it as an error. Now, the other thing that I did do a little checking on this is if this does come out as an update, it looks like there's a way to go in and be able to turn off the air. Okay, because so I would want to turn that off because l let me put it to you this way. I am dyslexic. And having that space in between the sentences makes it easier for me to read. So they are um, basically doing something to hurt people. Yeah. Well, and the thing of it is, is it's also, there's a lot of stuff we do that's based on the tradition of where things came from. 
The QWERTY mm-hmm. keyboard is an example of this. We're not going to change all our keyboards because we might might not do it if they were created now. So, you know, that way. So I think this falls in the same kind of thing. And uh, the reality is at the end of the day, I couldn't get it to do this. When I do, I will figure out how to turn it off and we'll talk about it here. Great. To give us something to do while we are having to hang out around the house, Lionsgate Entertainment is posting some of their best movies on YouTube. You can watch them live stream beginning on Fridays at 6 p.m. And they're doing a new movie every weekend, starting with The Hunger Games this weekend, followed by Dirty Dancing next, then La La Land and John Wick. So check them out. They're free and gives us all something to do. And joining me now is Steve Mailer. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, Bill. It's good to actually have you here. You've been on for a number of uh, interviews. So it's good to actually be yeah. able to talk to you in studio. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Yeah. So no, is, this will be fun. This will be a lot of fun. Hey, I hear that you have been checking out, like everybody's been doing, some movies, uh, series, different things like that on Netflix and others. And uh, mm-hmm. you got to review a movie that I have never heard of called Polaroid. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'd never heard of it. I had never heard of it either. And it, I don't know if it was, if it represents a, an example of a low budget independent film, because I never saw commercials for it. I never saw trailers for it. And it's just something I stumbled across on Netflix when I was just going through looking for something to watch. And it's, it's interesting. It's like, it's a stylized, it's styled after movies like The Ring and uh, Final Destination and The Grunge. And it's, it's, it's interesting. I actually thought it was very, uh, very atmospheric, which I really appreciated. And I like the story. I like the idea of the premise. Um, and that's basically a young woman is, is given a Polaroid camera from, you know, circa 1970s by a coworker who finds it at like a garage sale or something. And whenever your picture is taken by that Polaroid, you basically become a target of a killer that is the form of a poltergeist or takes the form of a poltergeist or a ghost seconds. that seems to inhabit the camera. Okay. Is that too long? Oh. Um, so, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. The only critique, the only critical thing I really thought about the movie, there were a number of scenes, and I don't understand why, that were shot and they were very dark. It was actually hard to see what was happening. Like and I dark, don't know if that was dark, intended. physically lighting dark. Huh? Yeah, I was having to squint to see what was happening in the scene, and it kind of took me out of the story. That was probably the biggest critique, critical point I had about the movie is that, you know, you don't want to lose your viewer. And like, one way to lose the viewer is make it hard for them to see the scene. So agreed. I'm not sure if that was... Agreed, you know. Yeah. Boy, the time goes by fast, doesn't it, Steve? But you're going to be with us a little later in the show here. So, uh, Steve Mailer, thank you. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Steve is still here with us, and he is going to be presenting an interview with Terry Robinson. To you, Steve. Well, thanks, guys. I'm here on location with an old compadre that I've been working with since uh, January of 2013. He is an executive producer. He is a co-author. Uh, he's a very creative guy, a uh, good friend of mine, Terry Robinson. I've done a lot of TV and film work here in northern Nevada. Terry, welcome to User-Friendly. 
Well, thank you for having me, Steve. Oh, no, this should be fun. So you and I go back quite a ways, and we've done a oh, lot boy, of... Oh, boy, don't we? Yeah, we've done a lot of reality TV um, uh, here in Northern Nevada, Old House Antique Showcase, Auction Addicts. Tell me, tell us a little bit about those two shows. Um, well, they, uh, we started with the uh, Antique Showcase. Um, that was... Um, but I, we, I was doing a magazine, and somebody uh, offered me the opportunity to make it into a television show. So I started with that show, and then um, then I met you. Then we came together, and uh, I'm, and when we I created the Antique Showcase because I was so I mean not the Antique Showcase, excuse me, Steve. Um, we we created a auction attic show right um, after that because. Um, uh, the storage wars was doing so well on TV. That's right. And uh, we had our friend Sammy B out at Weathervane Auction, mm -hmm. and so we decided to wrap a show around that. Yes, and what an adventure that was. We we ended up doing uh, thirteen complete episodes. Uh, so we we have a completed season one uh, that we've been certainly working on trying to distribute after its its local TV runs here, and it actually it did have some regional. It did have uh, some regional viewing, so it wasn't just local. No, um, that's correct. So there was that. And then after after those two shows, we started working on a, a Western narrative drama called Virginia City NV, which you also kind of came up with. What did you base Virginia City NV on? Well, I was always fascinated with the show Death Valley Days from That's the time okay. I was a young boy. Right. And uh, so anyway, I thought the idea of using a, an old ranger type of uh, character, uh, Ronald Reagan played the old ranger and, and some of the other old shows of the um, of Death Valley Days. And then uh, they also had another old ranger, but I don't know what his name was. And um, so anyway, it, 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 it lent itself to a perfect idea idea of taking a, a historical area like Virginia City or the Old West even, of which we changed it to, and uh, being able to wrap uh, a story around a, a certain person or place or event uh, in one of these historical towns. And uh, so anyway, it worked out real well. Um, of course, we had ran into a little problems with um, the different people up in Virginia City, and, and um, so we decided to take and um, change it from localized uh, just Virginia City and stretch it out into the Old West entirely and call it Into the West Show. Into the West. Okay. Yeah, that was my next question. Is so Because we started with two episodes of Virginia City NV uh, before we ran into uh, some financial difficulties with the township up in Virginia City. We did one on Mark Twain. We did one on the Red Light Ladies of Virginia City featuring um, or focusing mostly on what happened to Julia Boulay uh, very loosely in terms of its history. But that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So on as we've moved on to Into the West. So we're now doing shows that are in the same vein as Virginia City Envy. But like you say, it's no longer focusing just on the locality 
of Virginia City. We're, we're opening up to territories just th- throughout the what was the Old West. Sure. Just for, just about anything from the west of the Mississippi. Um, you know, of course, our very first story is all about Bass Reeves. And um, that took place back in Arkansas and the Indian Territory of Oklahoma. And so that's going to be our premier episode um, of which we're going to be getting on uh, regional television. Uh, northern Nevada, uh, Northern California, and the Bay Area, and then also Northwest Washington. Okay. And so the story of Bass Reeves as being what essentially what we would probably call our pilot episode, What what is that? That's essentially going to be about him uh, as a as a ranger or as a mar- he was a marshal, right? That's correct. Uh, he he served in law enforcement under uh, a lot of different uh, in, in different areas. Uh, he was a sheriff and then he became a U.S. Marshal under the famous Judge Parker in the Indian Territory. And he single handedly uh, apprehended over 3000, um, made over 3000 arrests and brought out of the Indian Territory uh, to justice uh, over 3000 um, different criminals. So that would give you that would give you quite a reputation apprehending that many outlaws. You would tend to be a rather feared lawman. Oh, yes. Um, and, the, and it's funny because it, it built up a kind of a folklore uh, because he had an Indian companion rode a white horse there. They say that he is actually the inspiration for the modern day or the more modern um, Western uh, series called uh, the Lone Ranger. Um, yeah. I, in fact, I was <clears throat> you you uh, you keep answering my next questions before I have a chance to <laughs> a chance to ask them to you because I was going to say, gosh, that sounds like an awfully close parallel to a another very well known and beloved Western series that everyone grew up on, being uh, Tonto and the Lone Ranger, and a white horse. You say one of them rode a white horse. Yes, uh, the Bass Reeves rode a white horse, okay. and, and because he had befriended all these Indians in the Indian Territory when he escaped as a slave after the Civil War, he lived with five different Indian uh, tribes, and uh, in turn, he learned all their languages, and okay. so he befriended several of them, and one of them, I believe his name was White Feather, became his uh, Indian companion, and uh, they became quite famous for apprehension. Pending, uh, felons. Well, I love what you're doing, and I, it's certainly been fun working with you uh, over these last seven years, and I think we have a lot more coming down the pike, so to speak, especially as we're able to get back into production. So I, I certainly appreciate you joining us on our radio program here today, user-friendly, and I think people are going to be very interested to follow up and see how things are going for you. But, uh, Terry, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm enjoying this. And Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, we'll take it back to you in the studio. Steve, thank you for that. You know, Terry's a great person. I did have an opportunity to meet him, and uh, it just seems like he's doing so much stuff. You know, he is. Terry is one of those people who never sits still. Yeah. And, uh, And he's one of those people who he tries a lot of different things at once. And with the intention that eventually something that he does is going to do extremely well. So it's been an, it's been an interesting, you know, six or seven years working with him on a, on a number of different things. 
But what he's also doing right now, which is kind of interesting, is because we are all sequestered in our homes and we have these orders to, you know, not, not, you know, come together and congregate, he has started his own Facebook Live television show every morning. Okay, how do you get to that? 7.30? Yes, uh, 7.30. So, and, and so if you look for him on Facebook, it's Terry with an I, so T-E-R-R-I Robinson. And he's an older, like 70-ish year old cowboy, so he's got very white hair in case you've not ever met him before. And um, from 7.30 until usually about 8 o'clock, he's presenting new ideas of creating your own gardens, becoming more self-sufficient. But he also certainly talks about his film and TV work and Westerns that he's preparing to do. All right. That so, sounds great. We'll go ahead and um, I'm going to have to cut you off here. We're out of time, but we'll go ahead and get that right. on our social media at One User Friendly. Steve, thank you. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, it's been a while. It has been too long. And you know, we've been gaming online and kind of we're uh, forced into it. And actually, we've been having a lot of fun with it. But we've been getting a lot of questions in on how you do tabletop gaming, especially since we're all kind of having to hunker down right now using the computer. And how do you do that? Oh, well, actually, there's a lot of different variants uh, that you can use. Um Probably one of the more common one is known as Roll20. Uh, I know there's a couple of other virtual tabletop applications. Uh, there's one that you can find on Steam. You know, some of those are cost money. Uh, Roll20 tends to be free unless you want to use a subscription service to it, uh, which gives you a few extra things. But I played it for a long time without having a subscription service, and uh, it's been great so far. I mean, it, uh, the system's got its problems. I'm not going to lie. You know, everything has its ups and its downs. But, you know, I've even tried uh, using, but was it Google uh, Drawing or something? Right. I tried it that way, using it as a group thing, but, you know, didn't have all the dice rollers, all the information, the tools that are available to most DMs that uh, most of these other programs like Roll20 or Fantasy Scape, was that what that was called? <laughs> I can't remember. I just know it was a chunk of change. <laughs> Yeah, I know that seems to be the the way of things. Now, I know if Roll20, and I have to give credit where credit is due, the first time we tried that, it was awful. And that was like about oh, yeah. five, six years ago. And it does seem like they've fixed it enough to where it works. Because we've been able to do the mapping, and there's been some glitching and things. But we also don't use it for the audio connection. We just use it for basically sharing the maps and rolling the dice. And uh, we've been using Discord, which is, seems to work pretty well. Is there a, an advantage or a disadvantage to that? We, it's been a kind of a thing. I mean, uh, Roll20, uh, it's always had kind of a glitchy uh, audio, uh, what would you call it, codec. That um, It's great for if you're having people around and everybody's on the system because it has a beautiful music player. Right. right. But... It's always seemed like the connection has its own issues, uh, a lot of drop, a lot of roboting of the voice. So we use Discord, and of course, Discord sets up with uh, servers and such like that. You can have text, you can add images, uh, you can share files that way and such that aren't necessarily as easy to do in Roll20. Um, it just seems to handle the, the load of a group better than 
Rule 20 has in my experience. Uh, now, question for you. You've been running the games as Dungeon Master. What does it take to load all the maps? Because, I mean, there's got to be a setup process for this. There is and there isn't. Um, if you want to just have a basic, here is a grid, you know, a graph paper grid, pretty easy setup. Uh, there's some basic tools. It's a ve- uh, Roll20 kind of incorporates a vector style art thing with multiple layers uh, to create maps or do things like that. Uh, token layers, map layer, uh, what they call a GM overlay if you're the game master. Uh, a lot of the drawing tools are vector-based, if people understand that, which is different than, say, your paint program. Um, it creates objects when you draw, like, a circle or something. You know, and I think the next question I would ask is, we had our own group, so we kind of just got everyone together online and put this put this up. But what if you're someone just out there looking for a game? I know there's a mode, I haven't ever played with it on Roll20, where you can kind of just find a group. Uh, yeah, there's uh, two variable options. One I've never had luck with. Uh, the other one, uh, to be honest, uh, took me quite a while to find uh, games to play, and that was to go in and look at the list, look for people who are looking for a group, submit your application, and go for it. I know there's a couple of uh, Venture League things, uh, so there's you know drop-in style games uh, for multi. You know, if you just want to jump in, and you know they'll they'll pick you up and draw add you in. Um, but it's kind of just a drop in and do applications you know there, there's some dms that are looking for specific things and uh you know you're just going to get with a group of uh pretty much random people um doing this i mean you can always hope to get both of you uh, you and uh, say a friend in on the same game right there's always the option of course to host a game yourself as dm but it, it is kind of a it's notoriously a hit and miss scenario that way you know you're 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 coming to a, a public kind of function that way and that uh, I've had luck of having really good groups, and I've had the bad luck of a group that I wish I had never played with. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, that can happen, and... <laughs> especially when you're kind of being random there. So, well, we'll give it a try and kind of talk about this a little bit more. We're out of time. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Bill, thank you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. My guest today is Mark Spencer. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much for having me. It's good to have you back. It's, it's great to be back. I enjoyed the last time we got a chance to talk. And for anybody that may not have heard your interview before, go ahead and give us your company and what you do. Sure. So, so my name is Mark Spencer. I'm a, uh, a video editor and uh, I have um, I'm a partner in a training company. Uh, my partner is Steve Martin with a company called Ripple Training. And what we do is uh, produce training tutorials and uh, plugins that are focused on, on post-production. We do production and post-production, but we do a lot on the post-production side, particularly with Fonica Pro, with Motion, and, uh, and DaVinci Resolve. Okay. And I know we talked about DaVinci Resolve a little bit uh, when you were on previously, but now, with everybody having to hunker down and trying to find stuff to do, it seems like it's a good time to learn a new skill, and it seems like this would work for that. Yeah, absolutely. And we're definitely seeing that. I think, you know, people being home more and having a little bit more time, you know, training is always a difficult thing to do. Every time you have a project, you're kind of faced with, well, should I spend some time learning how to do this more efficiently 
or trying to just get it done. And usually, well, I just have to get it done and want to get it done, then I'll do some training. But it's, it's hard to do training when you're in the middle of working all the time. So it's kind of a unique opportunity to build your skill sets in, in, in really in anything. I mean, I see people learning to cook like they've never done before and, and all kinds of things. But we're definitely seeing in our industry where we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, more demand for training, uh, people posting questions more, there's a lot more going on in the training area. So if someone wanted to get started on actually training properly on doing video editing, how do they get involved with your products? Yeah, so it, it's all available at RippleTraining.com. It's all delivered online. So what you do is choose a, a tutorial that makes sense for you. And we have a lot of beginning tutorials for both, you know, for Final Cut Pro or DaVinci Resolve or for Motion, for doing motion graphics. Um, and when you you can see exactly what's involved before you buy anything. And we've got some really good specials on now, especially because people may not have the income they've had. So we've made some big price reductions on a couple of introductory packages. And then you download the media and the project so you can follow along. And we have a player that you, it's a web-based player, but you can do all of it offline as well. And you watch a tutorial and we teach you how to do things and you follow along if you want to with the project and with the media so that you can actually do the work that you're watching. Okay. And if somebody wants to uh, get started on video editing, I know in the past that required a lot of high-end equipment and capability to be able to run this, but it sounds like from what we've talked about in the past that you can really just use your own computer, your iMac or your PC. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's really no limit anymore. I mean, even with equipment that's four, five, six years old, you can you can get by. Um, cameras have come down in price quite a bit. You can you can shoot a, a, a you know professional movie on on your phone. Right. So really, um, anybody who's got a phone and a basic computer can do video editing. There's just no reason not to use the technology to tell a story. It's all about visual storytelling and the tools. Um, both on hardware and software, are, are cheap and plentiful right now. So, you know, if you've got a story to tell, it, there's nothing stopping you from doing it. So this sounds like something, you know, where you'd learn a new skill, but it also sounds like something where you could have some fun with it. Uh, it absolutely. In fact, I, I just, by coincidence, today released a brand new tutorial about animating uh, in, in motion. And it's a huge amount of fun uh, to do, like creating animation is something that I really love to do. And I don't mean like cartoon animation, but just animation of, of text or animation of anything you might want to use in a video. So it's really targeted for video editors that want to add more animation to their projects. And uh, it's super fun to do. So that's one of the reasons I love Apple Motion. Is it's a great companion app to Final Cut Pro, and it's very, very fun and easy to use. You know, this sounds like something that, I, because I, I know what little experience I had in it. We, again, it was a lot of high-end equipment and that type of thing. But doing graphics and doing that type of thing with your software, you can basically just just do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Anything from, you know, animating photographs, making photographs coming alive, like splitting them into layers and animating them in 3D space or having them move in different ways to creating fun animated titles or just a variety of motion graphics. Um, you know, we actually do a lot of free work too. So one place that's good to start is our YouTube channel is Ripple Training. Just look at Ripple Training on YouTube. We do every week we produce new content um, about how to do different things in Final Cut or Motion or other applications. So that's a great place to start just to get a sense of, of what you can do. We're up to um, almost uh, 500 episodes of 
of the show called Mac Break Studio, where we show you how to do different things in the software. And it's just fun to watch and, and then try out for yourself. All right. And I get the one other question I would want to ask you is, if you have someone that's they've shot a little video on their cell phone or maybe even a video camera still and that type of thing, what is the time commitment in the classes if you just started from the beginning to be able to get to a point where you actually could cr- do a class and create something usable? Is it a couple of weeks, a couple of hours? What what would somebody no, what, you what can, would that look in, like? In half a day. Half a day. In half a day. You can sit down. Yeah. Most of the tutorials are our short form, we have a bunch that are sort of hour framework, you know, about an hour, and then we have others that are two to three hours. But if you just want to get grounded in the basics of how to do video editing and Final Cut, you can you can figure it out on your own. But really, if you watch a tutorial, it will save you so much time in the long run hunting in, around to find out how to do something. You just spend, uh, you know, a couple hours watching a tutorial, and you'll be well-grounded. You'll be off and running. You can shoot and edit something. Uh, and and get great results. All right, Mark, anything else you'd like to tell us? Uh, no, I just think, uh, you know, stay, everybody stay safe, stay healthy, uh, you know, use to the extent that you're able to, you know, stay, you know, focused on learning some new skills and have some fun uh, and, and try to make the best of this time as you can. That's That's what we're trying to do here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is the truth all the way around. And since we can't go on vacation right now, it's a good time to edit those vacation videos that are sitting on your hard drive that you haven't had a chance to take a look at. Check out Whipple, uh, Ripple, if I can say your name right, rippletraining.com. There we go. And your YouTube channel. And we'll go ahead and put all of that information out on our social media at One User Friendly. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Bill, I really appreciate you having me. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Great show this week. Yeah. So we're kind of getting to the end here, and I did want to get a follow-up because people are asking questions uh, on all this, is um, number one, you last time we had talked about it, you had gotten your sewing machine back, but it didn't work quite right. How did that actually turn out? Well, the sewing machine sews fine. However, uh, it won't tell me that it's unthreaded, so that's... Uh, a thing that it, it did do before, but doesn't do now. Uh, and when I try and sew with it, half the time it ends up yanking the thread out of the needle before I actually start sewing. But then it doesn't say stop. Hey, you're not threaded. So I don't know. That's where you're gonna yeah. make. Are you gonna make them fix it right? I don't know if I can. Yeah, I, I don't think the repair shop did. I think they just turned something off and and said it was fixed. To tell you the truth, I mean, I, I think I, I'd pitch a little bit of a concern. But, Bill, we have to send it all the way to Southern California. Or make them get you a new machine. Yeah, I don't, yeah, know. Right. I don't know if we can do that. You know? I don't think that's going to happen. There are I just serv- think I'm, you know, I just don't think we're ever going to buy another singer. Yeah. There are services out there like the Better Business Bureau and stuff like that where you can at least post feedback, and usually they will respond, uh, certainly on social media, too. It's, hey, you know, what's going on, singer? What, you know, why was this done this way? I'd just be curious to see where it, where it came out. And then the other thing, Jeremy, is your 3D printer. Well, okay. I, I haven't been able to get the DaVinci to ever start back up again. Um, it, it just, I, I can't get it to print at all. It just blows out the, the filament feeder. So I, either a new fi- new feeder or some other thing. But, but tell them about the other one. The um, 
Ender three works great. Okay. Um, it's been, it's been printing nonstop. I, I've been printing a bunch of stuff for the medical, uh, people. I've got, right. uh, uh, mask expanders. I'm going to start trying to print the, um, Is ventilator the- extenders. So you get two tubes out of one. Right. Um, I, I, I tried printing a full mask on my 3d printer and it's kind of comfortable, but I don't think anybody wants to wear it for more than a minute. Okay. <laughs> but the other pieces, I know I've been seeing where these devices are really in high demand. So yeah. that's cool to be able to do. It's fun too. You know, it just, uh, it's just one of those things Well, I'm glad that the 3d printer is working. I'm sorry to hear that the sewing machine is not, but, uh, we'll bring any updates that we can on all that. I guess at least it works well enough that you can use it. You oh, know, it does right so. Now. It feels great. And, and now, kind of I heard there. I heard that you had a victory uh, with your um, furnace. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I have to thank our producer, Bill Snodgrass, for helping me out with that. I had never worked on a furnace. Mine quit, and he, he turns out he knows about such things. So, uh, remotely, he had me going through. We took half the machine apart, figured out fault lights and various other things. And uh, after a bunch of stuff that I'm not entirely sure what we did, it came on and it now runs like a top. So sometimes you do have to figure these things out and get help from your friends. So I appreciate that. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at TheAnswerPortland.com or UserFriendlyShow.com.